You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. Once again, our seventh season of Sonic Summerstock Playhouse presents classic theatre, adapted and performed by some of the very best audio players and producers from around the world. I'm David Alt, and with Jack Ward, we are your hosts. Welcome to the 2017 Summerstock Playhouse. Francis Hamilton Stryker, or Franz Stryker as he was known, was a prolific writer, editor, publisher and producer. Perhaps his best known creations were unique in that the heroes very much reflected each other, but were separated from different eras. They were men in a mask. They had good partners who were ethnically diverse. They were often wanted by the authorities, considered to be outlaws, but instead stood for justice. Whether riding on Black Beauty or Silver tonight, we present both heroes as Rich Frolic and the Texas Radio Theatre return to our 2017 stage with more tales of adventure and excitement. Spotlight here as our curtains raise to the thrill of the Old West and the Lone Ranger, followed by the crime-laden streets of the city and the Green Hornet here on the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse stage. The Texas Radio Theater Company is proud to present, in honor of its 70th anniversary, this recreation of The Lone Ranger's very first show. It's produced by Shannon Froelich in cooperation with the Arlington Museum of Art and engineered and directed by Richard Froelich. It features the voice talents of Earl Browning III, Taffy Geisel, Gary Layton, Spencer Prokoff, Ivy Price, Ken Rainey, and Susie Zimmerman. Live sound effects are directed and created by Libby Milliron. First of all, we ought to tell you that this is not the Lone Ranger that you're most familiar with. Very few recordings of the Lone Ranger exist prior to 1938, particularly this very first script. The story goes that in January 1933, this play was first tested out on the airwaves of WXYZ Detroit, without much fanfare and without much publicity. In this first version, there is no Tonto, and I'm sorry to say, there is no Hardy. Originally, the Lone Ranger was more of a swashbuckling hero like Zorro, who fearlessly faced any obstacle head-on, meeting danger with his quick draw, a confident grin, and a hearty laugh. <laughs> Soon after this first script, Tonto was written in as well as other changes that would make him more familiar to many generations of radio listeners, moviegoers, and television addicts. But this recreation is where it started. So... Grab that radio dial and turn with us now back to the broadcast days of yesteryear and the very first script of The Lone Ranger. fiery horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty laugh. The Lone Ranger! The Lone Ranger is perhaps the most attractive figure to ever come out of the West. 
Through his daring, his riding, and his shooting, this mystery rider won the respect of the entire Golden Coast, the West of the Old Days, where every man carried his heart on his sleeve, and only the fittest remained to make history. Many are the stories that are told by the lights of the Western Campfire concerning this romantic figure. Some thought he was on the side of the outlaw, but many knew that he was a lone rider, dealing out justice to the law-abiding citizenry. Though the Lone Ranger was known in seven states, he earned his greatest reputation in Texas. None knew where he came from, and none knew where he went. Old Jeb Langworth lived alone in a small shack just outside the wide-open community of Red Rock. One evening, as he was watching the coffee boil and the bacon sizzle in the pan, and thinking of how snug his cabin was with the storm raging outside, there came a knock at the door. Who in Tucky can that be on a night like this? Come on in, stranger. <sighs> Rather wet outdoors tonight. I uh, saw the light of your cabin. A right welcome you are, too, stranger. Haul over to the fire here and just kind of take the chill out of your hide. Thanks. I was just fixing up some chow. I reckon I better lay on a few more slabs of bacon, eh? I could eat without any trouble. Just make yourself right home. Where'd you come from? No place in particular. Uh, prospecting? Nope. I know a man's business is his own affair, and if you don't mean to talk, well, I ain't the one to be asking no questions. Lay off your boots and guns and make yourself right to home. Jeb Langworth ain't never turned a man out yet. Thanks, I'll uh, keep my gun on, though. Never know when I'll need it. That's your own business, too. Gee, man, me ain't that storm a buster, though. Wild night, all right. You are Jeb Langworth. Yeah, that's me. Deputy Sheriff is my calling. So I see by your badge. Who is the sheriff at Red Rock? Name's Obi Quiler. He's a square man as you'd find in a long ride. Me and Cal Stewart is his deputies, and between the three of us, there ain't much goes on that ain't right in the law. I, uh, see you've a poster advertising a reward for the Lone Ranger. Yeah. I reckon there ain't a sheriff in this part of the country that ain't looking for that feller. What's he done? Now, you don't say you ain't heard tell of him. Why, they say he's the most dangerous feller that ever been out in these parts. Indeed. Speaks like a gentleman from one of them eastern colleges. And shoots so fast that his six guns back in his holster for a man to see him draw. But why is there such a big reward for him? What has he done? Dang if I know what he's done. I know one thing, though. What's that? My brother, he was ailing, ready for to die with some engines branding him and burning on him. Your brother? Yeah. And this here ranger, he comes in about that time and gets my brother Scott free, and he didn't have to fire a single shot for to do it. How did he manage it? Well, it seems like uh, he spoke to them engines in their own crazy way of talking. And by golly, in less than a minute, they was all bending down and kowtowing to him like he was some sort of a god. Then they loosed the ropes. It was tying my brother. They brought some roots and grease and things and fixed him all up as good as new and let him go. And still, you would capture this lone ranger if you could find him, huh? My gosh, I don't know whether I would or not. And you do know that he saved the life of your brother, and you don't know what he's done that's so terrible. Well, they say that he killed a lot of fellers. Perhaps they needed killing. Eh, maybe so, maybe so. Say, I reckon this ranger must talk a lot like you do. 
You talk mighty well educated yourself, stranger. Have you ever seen bullets like these? Huh? Why, b by gosh, they'd be, they'd be silver. And they say this ranger, he uses silver bullets. By gum, you're the lone ranger. <laughs> and that laugh, that's another thing. You're him, ain't you? You have my gun, Jeb. What are you going to do with it? Here, you take it back, Ranger. Put her where she belongs. I ain't the man for to turn in a fella like you, no, sir. Hold your chair over here now and see how you like my cooking. I always said that sometime I'd get a chance to show how much I appreciated what you've done for my brother. Thanks. Where is he now? Ah, he's been dead these two years. A bit late for you to be eating your supper, isn't it? Yeah, I was busy over to Red Rock till after night. I reckon it must be close to nine o'clock now, ain't it? Yes, just about. You better spend the night here, Ranger. You're right. Welcome. Where's your horse tied? He isn't tied. That horse will go into the trees and hide until I whistle for him. I, uh... Oh, gosh. Now, who's that? I'll step back from the curtain here. Don't tell anyone that I'm here. Uh, oh, oh, all right, all right. Call and see who's there. Now, who is it? It's me, Jeff. Cal Stewart. Let me in. I locked the door behind me. Is that the deputy? Yep, and I reckon you better uh, hide, Ranger, because Cal ain't kind to see you get away if he can get his hands on you. I'll let him in, see what he wants. Go ahead. Just a second, Cal. Golly, what a night this is, Jeb. Ain't it so? What brings you out in a night like this, Cal? The point is this. I come to borrow something from you, Jeb. Sure. Anything you want. It ain't much that I want. It's just a bucket of oil. The lamps in my shack is running low and I got some records to go over. I thought if you could let me take some oil till morning, well... I... Sure, sure. I, I can get it right away. I keep it back here in the woodshed. I'll get some uh, right away, Cal. That's mighty accommodating of you, Jeb. Uh, you been out tonight? Oh, uh, me? Well, these wet tracks. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got back a few minutes ago. Them, them's my tracks. I see. Uh, I'll, I'll get that oil for you. And the storm wore itself out during the night as Jeb Langworth and the Lone Ranger passed a peaceful night's rest. What is the coming of the Lone Ranger meant? It's morning. Listen. Ah, much obliged for putting me up for the night, Jeb. I think I'll be on my way. I like to get an early start. Okay, Ranger. Glad to be able to do you a good turn. Uh, maybe I'll be able to return the favor someday. I don't think nothing of it at all. I was wondering when Cal came last night what you would say about the wet footprints on the floor. <laughs> I reckon I got over that one all right, eh? <laughs> Very well, yes. Yeah, you see, that fella Cal Stewart, he don't miss nothing, he don't. He's got eyes like a hawk. Yes. <laughs> I reckon it rankled him some in his mind that I didn't tell him what I went and done and what I went out for, eh? Perhaps. You don't seem to like him very well. Oh, he's all right, but him and me got different ideas, that's all. I see. Well, I'll say goodbye to you. Okay, well, goodbye, Ranger. Oh, uh, where's your horse? I'll show you. He must be a swell horse. He is. Well, there he comes right enough. Yes. Ah, easy, big fella. Well, goodbye, Ranger. Goodbye. Hi, Silver! <laughs> I reckon I better get my gun hitched up and get on into town. The sheriff might be wanting me. Come on.
gosh, I guess he does want me. There he comes now. Stand right where you are, Jeb Langworth. Hello, Sheriff. Morning, Cal. What's the call for? I guess you know what it is, Jeb. Ain't you ashamed now? Who, me? My gosh, Cal, what have I done? I'm sorry, Jeb. I'll have to search your cabin. What fur? A gun. Whose gun? Ah, you're acting all innocent, all right, but it's your gun I want. Mine? Jeb, why'd you do it? Say, I don't get this at all. Now, don't you move. You go on in, Cal, and look around. Right, you keep him here where he can't do no more damage. Morning, he's already done. Oh, shucks, Cal. I ain't aiming to do no damage. Sheriff, what have I done? Well, Jeb, it's murder. That's what it is. Dan Higgins was shot last night. Dan Higgins was yep. shot? Yep. We know that he had some gold hid away in his cabin. He was found dead this morning, and there was the box that he kept his gold in, but the gold was gone. My gosh, Sheriff, you don't think that I took Jeb, any- he was shot by a thirty-eight. And there ain't many men here uses anything besides a forty-five. Well, excepting you. But I didn't do it, Sheriff. Cal just recollected that he came here last night and found that you was out of your cabin just before nine o'clock. And when was Higgins shot? The doc says it was between a quarter of nine and a quarter past. But I went Hey, what'd you find, Cal? I found lots. Look, here's his gun, all right. And there's one chamber empty. I never shot it. What's that you got, Cal? A bag. One of them kind of bags that gold is kept in. And it's got Higgins' name on it. I never seen that bag before, Sheriff. I swear I didn't. Was you out of your cabin last night, Jeb? I, uh... Oh, gosh, I didn't kill him. I swear I didn't. I weren't nowhere near him last night. Maybe then you can explain how it comes that we find this knife just outside of Higgins' door. Now, is that your knife, Jeb? That's my knife. Sure is. But I hadn't been outside. I reckon it's a pretty bad case against you, Jeb. It's a frame-up. That's what it is. Sheriff, it's a frame-up. If you can prove that you wasn't out of your cabin, Jeb, but you can't do it, you see. I can prove you was out of your cabin. Come on. Shall I put the cuffs on him, Sheriff? I don't need no cuffs. I'll go quiet. I'm an innocent man. So they took old Jeb Langworth to jail for the murder of his friend Higgins. Did the mysterious visit of the Lone Ranger have anything to do with the fate of Jeb? Let's look in at the office of the sheriff, where Cal walks over and says, Puny dang cold-blooded shooting at Jeb, the way he plugged old Higgins, Sheriff. I don't know what to think of it, Cal. It ain't like Jeb at all. He was always the most peace-loving feller I knowed. Why well, I didn't ever know Jeb to use violence of any sort. You can't never tell about these silent fellers like him. Gosh. Old Higgins was well-liked, too. I knows it. I'm most afeard to let the news get told around about Jeb. Well, why is that? I reckon the boys here in Red Rock won't wait for a trial. You don't think they'll lynch him, do you? Wouldn't be surprised. Well, I ain't gonna stand for no lynching. This here's a civilized community, and I'm for law and order. The law says that a man's entitled to be tried before a jury, and that's what Jeb's going to be. I'm for it, Sheriff, but you can't stop the boys when they gets their minds made up. Well, they don't know he's been arrested yet now, do they? Nope, I've done my best to keep it quiet about who we picked up for the murder of Higgins. Ah, you say you've done your best, huh? Yep. Did anyone get to know about it? Well, I ain't just sure, Sheriff. What do you mean, you ain't sure? I may have dropped a remark to give it away... I reckon maybe we better hustle the trial along, just to be on the safe side. Seems to me you're powerful anxious to see Jeb get hanged for the killing, Cal. I'm just anxious 
for to see him tried and found guilty afore he gets lynched without any trial. That's all, Sheriff. Well, he's going to be tried in the due course of time. Not afore, and if there's anything like a lynching, I'll shoot the man that starts it. Them's my sentiments, and you can pass them along to the men in town here. Just as you say, Sheriff. I aims to carry on a little more investigating on my own hook before I makes up my mind to anything. So you don't think Jeb didn't do it? Well, I'm reserving of my opinion. Well, that's your privilege, I reckon. What's that? Shooting out in front of this here office. <laughs> What's that laugh? Sounds like the Lone Ranger. Come on, Sheriff. He's out front. Do you see him any place? Can't see nothing out here. Well, where'd he go? I, I reckon he's got away somewhere. I'm right here, gentlemen. Huh? How'd you get in? What? Who are you? I came right in the side window while you were looking out the front door. No, don't go for a gun. I ain't aiming to commit suicide. Are, are you the Lone Ranger? Ha 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 What are you doing here? I just dropped in to tell you that Jub Langworth did not kill old Higgins. I reckon you're the one, eh? Wrong again. Well, you're under arrest anyway for the murders on that there poster. Don't try any funny tricks. <laughs> under arrest? Me? I reckon he's right, Mr. Ranger. We'll have to put you under arrest. Well, that suits me all right. Are you going to let Jeb out of jail to make room for me? No, he stays there. I reckon the jail is large enough for both of you. I just came here, Sheriff, to tell you to let Jeb Langworth go. He's innocent. <laughs> you don't think I'll do it, do you? No, but I think your deputy, Cal Stewart, will release him to prevent me from telling who the real murderer of Higgins is. Huh? Why, you... you... Don't let me tempt you into reaching for your gun, Cal. I think you've heard of the way I draw a gun and fire. That's all I have to say, Sheriff. <laughs> You see, my horse will join me no matter where I am. Now get that horse out of my office. I intend to. Uh, turn around, both of you. But... Silver! Uh, yeah, get that horse and... Oh, oh, that horse is walking on me. Then turn your face to the wall, as I said. I don't choose to draw my gun unless I have to. Ouch, get away, you dang nagget. That will do, Silver. <laughs> a good horse is a man's best friend. He won't frame him the way a human friend will, Cal. You'd ought to have some of the qualities of a horse. Sheriff, look around and see what he's doing. You look yourself. I can't. I ain't aiming to get Trump down. Remember what I have said, Sheriff. Release Jeb Langworth because his innocence can be proved and the guilty party found if you force me to do it. That's all. Hi, Silver! <laughs> is, is that varmint gone, Sheriff? I, I reckon so. Dang him. Why didn't you shoot him? Huh. <laughs> I don't draw against that feller unless his back is to me. Why didn't you shoot him? Oh, here. He's left one of them silver bullets of his on my desk. And a note. He... What's it say? Hmm, uh, nothing. Reckon I'll make a good hunk of paper to light my pipe with, though. What's that note say, Sheriff? Nothing! The Lone Ranger has given his warning. What was contained in the note he left with the Sheriff? Let's follow Cal Stewart. We enter the bar room, as Cal says. <laughs> well, gents, I guess four queens is a good enough hand to win the pot of any poker game, ain't it? <laughs> By Tunket, Cal, I ain't never seen such luck with cards as you have. You done clean these boys out of all their week's wages. <laughs> yep, the luck's with me tonight, all right, Miss Julie. So, Tim, want to play anymore? I don't know. I think you done cleaned him out. And me too. I'm washed up. <laughs> well, boys, I reckon I'll stroll over and see how the prisoner is getting on. Say, Cal, you 
you seem pretty sure that Jed done the killing, but whatever happens, don't you think we ought to wait for that trial? You know that, you being deputy and all. You can't say he didn't in the face of the evidence, Miss Julie. I hate to think that Jeb had killed a friend like Higgins. Higgins was a good feller. Surprises me that Jeb ain't been lynched for this. Jeb's a good feller, too. And I reckon anyone that starts any talk about lynching will have to face me. And me. If an anyone tries to lynch old Jeb, they'll have to get past me, too. By Tunket, I may be a woman, but I'm about as handy with the rifle or a shotgun as any man around here. That's for sure. Well, I gotta be getting on. Wait, Joe, I'll go with you. Good night, boys. Uh, good night, Cal. We'll see ya. Just a minute, Stuart. Huh? How, how'd you get in here? I've been standing back watching your little poker game, that's all. What do you want here? Don't you know the sheriff will shoot you on sight? Yes, but I've got to be seen before I see. And my eyes are rather good. I think I'll play some poker with you. Huh? Play poker? Here? No, not here. We'll go in the little room over on the side. It's more private. I, I had enough poker. I think you'll play a few hands with me. How much money you got? I don't know. Uh, I ain't gonna play. Come, hurry now. This way. You may bring your own cards if you want to. I'll make the stakes high enough to interest you. But uh, right this way. I find that Jeb Langworth is still in jail. I ain't got nothing to do with that. You'll have to see the sheriff. I'd much prefer to see you. Here we are. Right in there. It's nice and private. There we are. Two chairs and one table. Two men and a pack of cards. Strange things can be done with a pack of cards, Cal. What, what do you mean? Sit down there. You can deal, shuffle, and cut all by yourself. Say, look here, Ranger. Let me go, and I won't say nothing about you being here in Red Rock. Oh, oh I don't mind. You can say all you want to say after you get out of this room. Deal the cards. All right, if you want to get skinned. You may even name the stakes. It tells me you shoot silver bullets, is that right? That's right, yes. Would you like to see one? You said to name the stakes. Right. All right. I'll bet $200. Ha! I can't waste my time on stakes like that. 500 then. With it, your own cut, shuffle, and deal, and the cards marked the way you want them, I'm surprised. I thought you'd be willing to risk more than that. All right. You name them. I'll meet them. Life. What, what, what do you mean? Your life against mine. What's that mean? You have two guns. So have I. I'll bet mine against yours. And let me deal? Even knowing that the cards are marked, I'll let you deal, Cal Stewart. It's a go, then. Lay your guns on the table. There they are. <laughs> My, but they're nice guns. Now, how about yours? Here's mine. You're looking right down them, Ranger. Stick up your hands. I didn't think you'd be this much of a cheat. Reach the ceiling, Mr. Lone Ranger. I reckon... This is the time that your fast draw won't help you none. <laughs> this is the time where brains is beating speed. Now, I've got you right where you should be. Well, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to kill you. That's what. Not even going to give me a trial, huh? The reward for you is dead or alive, and I'm taking no chances on you getting away. See? Yes, I see. But just a minute, steward. Don't you know that you don't dare to kill me? Not yet you don't. And why don't I? Because I've written down all about how you shot Higgins. And I've told how you came to Jeb's place the night of the murder and sent him out for kerosene. 
Huh? And how you stole his knife and his gun while he was out of the room. And I've told how you shot Higgins with Jeb's gun and left his knife there to be found. Now, you came the next day to arrest Jeb and planted his gun in his shack, as well as the bag that held the gold. How'd you know all this? I know a lot of things, you see. I've written that all down just so you won't dare to shoot me. Where is it? Well, the funny thing is that it's right in the safe in the sheriff's office. And I guess you can't get it there. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Yes, it's true. And it's also true that I can open the sheriff's safe and get out that writing. <laughs> so you see, you weren't so smart as you thought. Now, I'm going to shoot you. Just as a matter of curiosity, before you shoot me, Cal, suppose you tell me just where you put the money you stole. That's fair enough, isn't it? I don't mind telling you. I'd hate to die without knowing that. I got it hid under the floor of my cabin. That's where. And Jeb is going to pay for the crime. <laughs> don't you think you're going to be troubled by your conscience? No. What's more, none of the folks around here are going to be troubled with you any longer. I'm going to kill you right now, Mr. Ranger. Oh, no, you ain't, Cal. Uh, Sheriff! Sheriff! Thanks, Sheriff. Uh, w wait, the, the Lone Ranger, I got him right here. Put your guns down. Cal, I heard all that was said, and I guess it's you that'll be tried for the murder of Higgins, not Jeb. You see, Cal, it takes brains sometimes to outguess guns. I was so sure that you'd take advantage of me when I was unarmed, and so sure of your boasting nature, that I left a little note for the sheriff to be by that window tonight if he wanted to hear the confession of the real murderer. Now you stand where you are too, Ranger. This is great evening for the town of Red Rock. Go on in the window, boys, and put the ropes on them too. Sheriff. You'll, of course, let Jeb Langworth go free now, won't you? Well, we ain't got nothing on Jeb now. You see, he did me a favor, and I always aim to return favors. If you're sure that he'll be free now... Well, what'll you do? I think... I'll be leaving! Hey, Sheriff, he's grabbed his guns! <laughs> Silver! Silver, here we are, old boy! Ha! <laughs> That's the Lone Ranger! Stop him, boys! Stop Come him! On, Silver! That's the boy! Hi! <laughs> Might as well try and catch the wind as this phantom rider of the plains. The Lone Ranger has gone off into the night, not to be seen again, until he finds another occasion to take into his own hands the law of the West. This is one of a series of stories of the Lone Ranger and his horse, Silver. This recreation was presented by the Texas Radio Theater Company, produced by Shannon Froelich, engineered and directed by Richard Froelich, and comes to you in cooperation with the Arlington Museum of Art, encouraging its visitors to think creatively. Coming up, a fictional story about a meeting between Thomas Edison and Annie Oakley, written by D.B. Humphreys and Richard Froelich, right after this short message. You're listening to the Texas Radio Theater Company. Tonight's program is brought to you in cooperation with the Arlington Museum of Art and the Coffee House at Lincoln Square. The Texas Radio Theater Company is dedicated to keeping the art of radio drama alive through performing... Tonight's Texas Radio Theater Company production of The Green Hornet is made possible by the Coffee House and your generous donations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
the Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies that try to destroy our America. With his faithful valet, Cato, Britt Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with racketeers and saboteurs, risking his life that criminals and enemy spies will feel the weight of the law by the sting of the Green Hornet. Ride with Britt Reed in the thrilling adventure, The Corpse That Wasn't There. The Green Hornet strikes again. and Ed Lowry were returning to the Daily Sentinel after lunch. The streets were crowded, and as they took their last corner, a man hurrying in the opposite direction ran into them. Oh, what? what? Oh, excuse me, I'm in a hurry. Hey, why don't you watch where you're going, you? I tell you, Casey, sometimes I think they need traffic lights on the sidewalk, too. Are you okay? Well, yes, except for my handbag. Oh, um, here it is on the sidewalk. Hey, is this yours, too? What? This letter. Uh, no, it's not mine. It's it's already been mailed, hasn't it? Yeah, mailed and unsealed. Aha, hmm. uh-huh, Lowry. Never mind your reporter instincts. It's not right to look in other people's mail. Ah, uh, nuts. I wasn't going to open it. Well, what should we do with it? Throw it away? No, it may be important. Mr. Ernest Kegler. He's probably the joker who bumped into you. Well, why should we bother with it? Give it to me, Lowry. I'll call him up from the office. Gosh, look at the time. We'd better hurry. Hello, Miss Case. Oh, good afternoon, Mr. Reed. Uh, Anything important? Uh, No, it's been pretty quiet all morning. Here's your mail. Oh, thanks. Well, that's a... Hey, wait. This one, it's not mine, Miss Case. Oh, yes. That's a letter that someone dropped on the street. I've been trying to reach him by phone. Do you mind if I try again? Oh, no. Go right ahead. Uh, Just as long as the rest of these are for me. (laughs) Of course, Mr. Reed. Hello, switchboard. Yes, this is Lenore. Oh, hi, Helen. Will you try that number for me again? It's... Yes, that's right. Hey, here's a letter from Clicker Bennett. She's a second officer in the wax now. In North Africa. Well, have that posted on a bulletin board for her, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, Helen? Well, okay, thanks. Maybe he does work in a factory or someplace like that. No. No, I won't bother. Goodbye. Well, still no answer. Hmm. Why not just put it in an envelope and send it to him? I guess that's the easiest thing. Hey, wait a minute. Let me see that address again. Here you are. (laughs) Just as I thought. That's right on my way home. I'll tell you what, Miss Case. I'll drop it off there myself. How's that? There's house. I come back in one moment. 
Mr. Britt! <laughs> well, that didn't take you long, Cato. Say you've still got the letter. Mr. Britt, please. I see something through window. You come look. What's that? Please, you come with me. All right. Look there. You see? Well, I'll be... Cato, by the door. It's unlocked, Mr. Britt. Come on, then. But watch out. Easy now. What do you think, Mr. Britt? Oh, it's obvious. All we needed was a closer look. Where's the phone? On table. What's the matter? There's no dial tone, Cato. Hmm. That's odd. Oh, I thought so. Cato, this telephone wire's been cut. Oh, that very bad. I'll get to the nearest phone and call the police. You stay here, Cato. Oh, this very sad. Too bad for him, yes. Oh, that Mr. Britt? Hello? Mr. Britt? Get him. Oh! Now get busy. Cato. Cato, you all right? Uh, uh, Come on, you all right? Oh. That's it. Come on now. Oh, Mr. Britt, what happened? That's what I want to know. We found you in the hall when we got here. You've got a bump on the top of your head like an egg. Looks like a blackjack. Who was it? I don't know. What happened? I wait in room like you say. Then I hear door close. I think it you. I call and come out. Mr. Britt, I hear voices. Hmm? Voices back in room. Who are they? Oh, just the police, Cato. They're checking on the body. For, forget it. Now, now, come on. You came out this door, and then what? Somebody close by me say, get him. I try to see who it is, but something hit me on head. That's all. That's all except, where's letter? The letter we came here to deliver? Well, well, you had it, didn't you? I have it no more. Letter's gone. So that's what they wanted. Say, Mr. Reed, Mr. Reed. Uh, yes, what is it, officer? Hey, what kind of joke is this? Joke? Murder's no joke. Sure, that's what I mean. What's the idea of calling up the police and having all this? Here, here, what do you mean? What's going on? What are you people doing in my house? What are those cars outside the door? Who are you? Who am I? Who am I? I, well, I live here. My name's Ernest Kegler. What does this mean? I come home from... Now, my... just a moment, Mr. Kegler. My name is Reed. I'm publisher of the Daily Sentinel. Now, tell me, what's a dead man doing in your living room? What kind of privacy can a person... What's that? A dead man in my living room? Yes. Murdered. Murdered? But I didn't... Now, I hold didn't... on. Now, hold on. Wait a minute. One thing at a time. One thing at a time. Mr. Reed, if you're playing a joke, you're carrying it too far. What are you talking about? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Take a look in that room. There's no murdered man. There's nobody at all. That's right, Miss Case. I hadn't noticed it myself. When I got back there, Cato was lying in the hall. I didn't follow the police into the living room. It's the strangest thing I ever heard of, Mr. Reed. And the body was gone. No trace of it. If it hadn't been for the broken telephone wire, I might have believed it was a dream. Then Cato and you both have the same dream? <laughs> <laughs> what are the police going to do, take you to the psychiatrist? <laughs> Not quite. After all, they realize I wouldn't phone about nothing. And they've decided that Cato and I walked in on a practical joke. Someone was just playing dead? Yeah, that's it. Well, then they got up and beat it after Cato left the room, I suppose. But what about using the blackjack on Cato? Was that to make the joke more practical? Well, they haven't figured that one out yet. 
Oh, good grief. All this because you delivered a lost letter. Oh, say, that reminds me. The letter was gone, too. Now, Cato had it when he was originally coming Hello, to the door. Hello, boss. Hi, Casey. Hello, Lowry. Well, Lowry? I drew a blank, boss. Now, you stayed with the police, didn't you? Sure. And like you said, I hung right on their shoulders while they chucked up on this Ernest Kegler guy. He's the one who owns the house. And it's on the level. Is it his house? Oh, sure. He's on the level all the way. His name is Ernest Kegler. He does own the house. He's even got fingerprint proof of identification. Fingerprints? Mr. Reed, suppose he has a criminal record. Uh, nuts, Casey. Don't jump the gun. This guy works in a war plant. That's why he's got fingerprints on file. Oh. So he's Simon Pure, huh? As the wind-driven snow. <laughs> I don't know, boss. Maybe you and Cato walked in on some kind of fraternity initiation. Yeah, seems so. Somehow, I was sure that when the police investigated Ernest Kegler, that they'd run into something. Hey, Lowry, you saw Kegler. Yeah. Did he look like the man that bumped into Miss Case on the street? Uh, I don't know. I didn't get a close look that time. I asked Kegler about a letter, and he, he said uh, he had lost one, but that it wasn't very important. Well, looks like the end of what might have been a good story for the Sentinel. I'll see you later, Miss Case. But, Mr. Reed, you just arrived. And now I'm leaving. You know, I'll tell you something else. Kegler and the man I saw lying on the floor, they could have been twins. <laughs> Goodbye. Holy mackerel. Say, Casey, maybe the boss is crazy. Mr. Britt, I think about it all day. If it were not for Bump on my head, I would not be sure. Well, you and I are the only ones who are positive, Cato. And with that letter missing... Yes? Well, there's something strange going on. I'm sure of it. Yes, sir. Well, we've been wrong before. We may be wrong again. But at least we're going to find out. How? Well, there's no use sitting around just talking about it. Maybe we can use the role of the Green Hornet. Get the mask and the gas gun. We're taking the Black Beauty. A few seconds later, stepping through a secret panel in the rear of his bedroom closet... Britt Reed and Cato went along a narrow passage built within the wall of the apartment house itself. This passage led to an adjoining building which fronted on a dark side street. Though supposedly abandoned, this building served as the hiding place for the sleek, super-powered, black beauty, streamlined car of the Green Hornet. Britt Reed pressed a button. The great car roared into life. A section of the wall in the front raised automatically and then dropped into place as the gleaming black beauty sped into the darkness. Where we go, Mr. Britt? Same place, Cato. Kegler's home. Where is this? Kegler's house is down at the far end of the block. We can leave the Black Beauty here in the alley. Here's the street. It's good and dark. We won't be... Cato? Did you see that? Yes, sir. Somebody go in Kegler's front door. It looked like Lowry. I might have known. Lowry's a swell reporter. He always keeps digging. But in this case, that's not so good for us, huh? Well, it might turn out all right, Cato. In fact, it might be very helpful. Come on. We'll get into the house quietly. We'll be in there when Lowry leaves. And we might get something.
No, there isn't anything special I wanted to see you about, Mr. Kegler. I just can't help feeling that maybe the boss did run into something. I mean, he's a level-headed guy. Oh, yes, I understand. I read the Sentinel myself. It's a fine newspaper. Yeah, well, he just dropped off to do you a favor and return that letter. Huh? You know, the one you dropped in the street when we bumped. Oh, yes, but that wasn't important. Please, why don't you just forget the whole thing? Oh, you know us reporters. Well, maybe there was someone here. I don't know. Maybe it was just a practical joke, but whatever it was or wasn't, it's over and done with. Okay, okay. Say, you've got your letter now, haven't you? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, that's right. Well, good night. Mm, here, I'll show you to the door. Okay, oh, you don't have to do that. Oh, it sticks sometimes. Oh, all right. Go to the door, Cato. Yes, sir. We learned nothing yet. Quick, Cato. Back behind the drapes. Hello? Yes, Kegler talking. A reporter was here. I'm worried. But I... All right, if you say so. Hmm? Yes. Yes, I understand. Yes. No, no, nothing to worry about. The what? All right, I'll destroy the letter at once. Yes. Goodbye. Okay, Kegler. Hand over that letter. What? Look out! He has gun! We'll be back to the Green Hornet right after this message. You're listening to the Texas Radio Theater Company's Radio Recreation Series. morning, hon. Good morning, dear. Remember, it's trash day. Oh, yeah. Oh, trash day. Fast Why don't you have some swell coffee first and then see how you feel? Swell coffee? Sure. <laughs> Intentions brand swell coffee. Here, try some. Mmm. Why, that is swell. Uh-huh. Say, I feel great. So you'll take out the trash? Sure. And then I'll cut the grass and build you that deck you've always wanted. Oh, that's swell. Oh, here comes Junior. Oh, Mom, I don't want to go to school. No, dear, of course you don't. You ought to have some swell coffee. But doesn't coffee have bad things in it? Who told you that? My teacher. Well, you go tell her that coffee is no worse than cola or cigarettes. <laughs> okay. Gee whiz, that's swell. I told you. Now hurry up so that you can catch the bus. Bus nothing. I'm going to ride my bike to school so I can be the first one there. Whee! Now that's my boy. How swell. Oh, look, here comes Rover. Come on, Rover. Go get the paper, boy. Okay, go on. Oh, Rover needs his little swell coffee, too, doesn't he now? Uh-huh. There we are. Say, hon, Rover brought us a paper boy. Hey, that is swell, isn't it? That's right. Intentions brand swell coffee, great for the whole family. Extra, extra, Intentions swell coffee makes you feel swell. A reasonable facsimile of Intentions volcanically roasted swell coffee is available at the coffee house in Lincoln Square. Swell coffee is the official coffee of the Texas Radio Theater Company. Ask for it by name and feel swell. And now, we return to the second half of the Green Hornet's thrilling adventure, 
The Corpse That Wasn't There. In a house in the suburbs on the other side of the city from Kegler's home, a man named Bolton hung up the phone and crossed to another room. Who was that since a phone, Bolton? It was Kegler. Oh? Yeah, some reporter from the Sentinel was nosing around again. I told him to forget it. Nothing's gonna go wrong. He's nervous, hmm? Well, you can't blame him. It was pretty close. Yes. <laughs> it's a lucky thing that fellow we slugged had the letter. I lifted it right from his hand. Yeah, I told Kegler to burn it. We read it already. Yeah. Say, we've got to do something about, you know, that dead man? Sure, sure. And maybe the river. Oh, shut up, will ya? I'm thinking. Where now? I want to double check. I'm going to call Kegler and make sure he burned that letter. It's been five minutes. He's had plenty of time. Uh, that letter would mean I'd finish if it got in the wrong hands. Yeah. Huh. Funny. No answer. I wonder what happened. Still no answer? Yeah, still no answer. How many times is that? I don't know, ten maybe? It's been almost an hour. Maybe he went out. Sure, he went out, but why? It's almost midnight. He said nothing to me on the phone about... Hey! Yeah, come on. So you came here? Y- yes So where you been? I've been trying to call you. Uh, I-, I didn't burn the letter, Bolton. And there's someone who knows about it. Now what's eating you? Come in here. It's dark out there. Come on in. Yes. All right, all right. Now let's have it. Now what happened to the letter and what do you mean somebody knows about it? I can tell you, Bolton. What's with the mask? It's the green hornet. Ah. Leave it there. Reach for that gun and I pull this trigger. Hey, what's this all about? Kegler, you pulling a fast one? Don't blame him. He shot at me. Just his tough luck that he missed. That's all. Now how much is this letter worth, Bolton? Nothing. Why? Then what happened to the man that was killed in Kegler's house? What about what man? Button your lip, Mannheim. Don't kid me, Bolton. You covered up pretty fast, but I've got ways of finding things out. Who was the dead man? You're off the beam. (laughs) Was he somebody who knew your setup? Or maybe this Kegler's a fake. Maybe the dead man was the real Kegler. You're pretty smart, aren't you? The police might think so. Don't give me that. You're the hornet. You wouldn't go to the police. If I can't get it from you, maybe I can get it from your stooge here. Come on, Kegler. Oh, no, but I don't know. Come on, we'll let Bolton think about it. Stay here, Kegler. No, he's coming with me. No, he's not. I don't think you can handle him the right way. Now me and Mannheim can do that. Now get that gun! Stand to one side, I can't shoot! You won't get a chance! Get him, Mannheim! Oh, yeah. That gun, it doesn't fire bullets. <laughs> I'm not a murderer like your friends here. Okay, Kegler, come along. And close your mouth. You look like a fish. Hold it. What's back there? The All garage. Right. You go first, and we'll take the driveway. Hello? Right here. I find out something. Just a moment. Kegler? Yes? Walk up to the garage, stand there with your back to us, and remember, you make a perfect target against that white background, so don't try anything. Well, what is it? Mr. Britt, I look in garage. Well? I look in the back. There's a big, heavy trunk. You were right, Mr. Britt. I was, huh? Fine, 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 fine. That's all I want to know. Now, we'll leave a note for Bolton and Mannheim. We'll see that Kegler gets back to his home and keeps his mouth shut until tomorrow night. Mannheim! Mannheim, wake up! Come on, step out of it! Come on, come on! Huh? Where's my gun? Where's my gun? 
Oh, it's you. Is it gone? Yeah. Him and Kegler both. I found this. It's got the hundred seal on it. That's right. I'll give you one more chance to talk money. Don't try anything till I call. You will be watched. I guess he means business. Yeah. What about the garage? We better do like he says, Mannheim. We'll just sit tight and wait. Hello. Yes, this is Kegler. No, 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 I'm sorry. I won't be to work today. I'm not feeling well. Goodbye. I'm not feeling well at all. City room, Ed Lowry talking. What's that? What? What? What are you saying about Kegler? Say, who is this? I, I said, who is it? Oh, nuts. What is it, Lowry? Some guy said that if I wanted a story, I should see Kegler again. Again? Yeah, tonight, at midnight. And I don't even know who called. Hello? Is that you, Bolton? I saw you last night, remember? That's right. Sure, stick around. I'll see you again. Say around 9 or 9.30. And no tricks this time. I've been watching from the windows. I haven't seen a thing. Uh, he'll be around. He said so. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'll get the money for him. Uh, he's pretty tough. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I wish we'd taken care of that, you know... In the trunk in the garage? And have the Hornet find out? Maybe he already knows. Maybe. But I'll tell you one thing we gotta do. You mean Kegler? Yeah. He's scared silly. He's already talked to the Hornet. How much, we don't know. But he might talk to the police if the pressure gets too strong. We gotta take care of him. Kill him, huh? Yeah. We gotta do it soon. We can't go on it. That's the back door. The Hornet? Yeah, who else? Keep your gun out of sight, Mannheim. Oh, don't worry. I don't take chances with that fella. Well, what are you waiting for? Open the door. Look at the glass. That's a shadow. No, look. It's as if he's, he's leaning right against it. Oh, you can't tell. It's that glass that you can't see through. There's something peculiar about it. I just opened the door. Look out! Bolton, it's the body from the trunk in the garage. It's propped up against the door. Well, who put it there? How did it... I did, Bolton. The Hornet. How did you know about it? I have my ways. But I want to know a lot more. This man's the same size as Kegler. He looks like Kegler. Who was he? What was his name? Forget it, Hornet. This doesn't concern you. When I'm mixed up in something, I want to know all about it. Now, come on. Who was he? He's Kegler. Kegler? Oh, I get it. You mean the real Kegler. Yeah. Your friend who calls himself Ernest Kegler. He's... Never mind. I can figure it. He took this man's place, didn't he? Took over his home. This man was kept a prisoner in his own house. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's it. Uh-huh. And when that, uh, that newspaper publisher told the police he found a dead man there, this was the man he saw. Yeah. That was while we were out of the house getting the car. When we got back, we slugged the man we found there. And, and took the body out fast. What was the reason for all that, Bolton? I wanted our man to get the job in the war plant. And by using this one's references, he got the job. Real good job. Preparing for sabotage, huh? Oh, something like that. Mm -hmm. But something went wrong, and you had to kill him. Yeah. A letter came with a code message. Somehow the real Kegler got a hold of it. He got out of the house and was on his way to the police. I guess he saw us trailing him and got scared. That's probably when he dropped the letter. Now, we caught up with him a couple of blocks further on and took him back to the house. So that's why the letter was important. Yeah. Look, Hornet, there's two things we gotta do. We need that letter, and we gotta take care of this body. It'll cost you money. Money? Look, see, here's plenty. 
Well, I can give I'll you I'll take a- it all, thanks. What about your partner? Kegler? Okay, we'll call him that for convenience. He's so nervous he might spill everything. Oh, certainly. We've got to get rid of him. Shut up, Mannheim. I was, uh, working on that, Hornet. I haven't got any ideas. I have an idea, Bolton. I might as well earn this money. It's a good idea. How about making it look like murder and suicide? Murder? Yes, with your friend Kegler. There's a murderer who commits suicide. I'll explain it later. When? When we get to Kegler's house, of course. Now, suppose you take this man's body over there in your car. And no tricks. I'll be driving right... Now, Mr. Britt. Yes, they're running the corner over there, Cato. No, don't follow them. Turn here in the alley. They'll stop at the house, all right. Now, come on. We'll go into that house the back way and be very careful. I'm pretty sure that Lowry's prowling around nearby. Lowry, isn't that Kegler's house? Yeah, Casey. But it's too early for me to make my call. It's only... Uh... Look! There are two men going towards the front door. They're carrying another man. Hey, I say that guy's either had one drink too many or... Holy mackerel. Wait here, Casey. Lowry, where are you going? I'll be right back. I'm going to look in the window. Casey, Casey. What is it? What did you see? They're inside now. That man they were carrying was dead. He's on the living room floor. And that's not all. The hornet's in there, too. Good grief. I'll keep watching. You go get to a phone and get the cops here as fast as you can. I don't understand. I don't understand why you brought him back here. I don't see why you... Okay, Kegler, I'll clear it up for you. Mannheim, give me your gun. Wipe the prints off first. Here you go. Thanks. Kegler, this is the gun Mannheim used to kill that man. Now, the idea is to use this gun on you, then leave it in your hands. Oh, no. (laughs) Yes. It'll appear that you murdered that man, and now that you've committed suicide. No, no, Bolton, don't let him do... Shut up, Kegler. That's the way we want it. That makes us safe, get it? Then the hornet gives us a letter, we burn it, and everything... Hey, what's that? Police cars, they're outside. Police, hornet, hurry up. Shoot him, shoot him. I will, Bolton, but not with your gun. With mine. uh... Hey, what good's that? That's just gas. He'll wake up. Yes, Bolton, he'll wake up and talk to the police, and you'll go to jail. Bolton, we've been fooled. Get him, get him. You're too late. I can't breathe. Ah, ah, Hurry, Mr. Britt, police. Yes, Cato, out the back way. Remind me to send this money to the USO. Break down the door. In here, in this room. Well, I'll be. Are they all dead? No, no, just one of them. I saw the whole thing from the window, Sarge. And unless I'm nuts, I'll have a spy story that'll hit the headlines. That's fine. But you told us the Green Hornet was here. What happened to him? the adventure The Corpse That Wasn't There, brought to you by The Coffee House. Tonight's production of The Green Hornet featured the voice talents of Rod Wayne, Jess Price, Rich Baker, Luann Chapman, Benjamin Wilbanks, Ken Rainey, 
Libby Milliron. Sound effects were performed by Libby Milliron, Justin Guillory, directed by Rod Wayne. It was engineered and produced by Rich Froelich and the TRTC. The Texas Radio Theater Company will bring you exciting dramas like these every first Sunday of the month until December. At Arlington Museum of Art, third Fridays of each month, all characters, names, places, and incidents used in this drama are purely fictitious. This is Ken Rainey speaking. Good night. Happy listening. This completes the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse 2017 season. We hope you enjoyed tonight's play and all the performances on our Sonic Playhouse stage. All productions, performances, characters and scripts presented in the Playhouse belong strictly to their copyright holders, and no copyright infringement is assumed or intended. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is part of the Sonic Society podcast and Electric Vicuna Productions. Any shows that continue their run must have explicit permission from all parties involved. The Playhouse theme was written and performed by Sharon B. Return with us next week as Jack and I begin Season 13 of the Sonic Society. For all the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse players, I am David Alt. Good night. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. The following message is for podcasters only. If you are a listener and not a podcaster, you are permitted to cover your ears and say la 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 for the next 30 seconds or so. Okay. Podcasters, la, 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 if you create audio drama and or comedy, you are invited to join the brand new Mutual Audio Network. Not only will your productions be showcased in a brand new Netflix-ish type of distribution, but you'll also share in resources from music to sound effects to voices to people saying la 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 la. For details, visit MutualAudioNetwork.com or inquire at MutualAudio at gmail.com. You can stop la la now. What? Can't hear you. Got my ears covered. la la.